It's time for another episode of Occam's Razor, a podcast about the unexplained. Brought to you on Podcast Radio with your host, Jim Birchall. Commercial pilots have very often reported sightings objects in the air that seem to defy the laws of physics. Monday nights, welcome back, Occam's Razor. We're here for episode 46, live on East FM, 88.1, 107.1. We haven't done a show live in the studio for some time. I'm joined by Sam Collier from Haunted Auckland. How are you, Sam? Very well, thank you very much. Can't complain, it's a dark, stormy, sort of uh, bit of a ghosty kind of night, isn't it, outside? Yeah, it's a bit damp out there, eh? A bit, bit damp out there. We've got actually a very special show, not notwithstanding the fact because we're uh, back live in the studio, um, but we've actually got four members from your crew, as it were, Haunted Auckland, and they've decided to uh, come on the show tonight. We've got Natasha, Mark, uh, who's been on the show before, and we've got Barbara and Amy. And if Amy and Barbara could turn on their microphones, that would be... That would be really good. <laughs> They're all laughing at me on the screen here. Yeah. Can you guys hear me now? Give us a shout out if you can. Yes, we yep. can. Okay. Got us all? Excellent. Yes. No worries. Now, we've had Mark on the show before. Um, he's a respected sort of paranormal researcher um, in New Zealand. He's written a couple of books. Um, tonight, we're just going to have really a, a, a catch up, uh, Sam, if we could. Just talk about what Haunted Auckland's been doing in the past well, however many months it's been, I, I've lost track of time yeah, with, sort so of, well, with COVID really honest, and yeah. being winter and all this sort of carry on. So I'm assuming you guys keep yourself busy in, in what is a um, COVID sort of prohibitive job. You've managed to, to flourish being in New Zealand, haven't you? We have. I mean, we've, we've done a few investigations with masks on, but, um, yep. <laughs> you know, thankfully it, it doesn't last that long. And yep. Um, we've, we've actually managed to do quite a few public events as well. Excellent. Tell, uh, tell us about that. I understand. Um, actually, I'll bring you in, Mark, if I could. You, yeah, did, sure. you did one in Waiuku recently, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a great museum. It was a thrill to really get out there and, and dig around and explore the place. Absolutely. It's got some great old buildings out there, isn't it? Wai, Waiuku's sort of a, to the south of Auckland for those outside of, uh, outside of the region. Um, and you, was it a repeat visit? You'd been there before? We did an investigation and we were our minds were blowing, uh, we had to say, and um, we had to go back. Yep. And uh, we decided that we were going to get in there behind them and support them and do some fundraising for them. And uh, they've been very generous with their investigation time, so we're allowed to go back any time and uh, we'll help them and they'll help us. And obviously the question on everyone's lips, um, do, do we have any friends from the spiritual realm show up? I didn't see any, but... No. Um, <laughs> A few of the people that attended uh, yep. did actually uh, have little experiences here and there, a few shadow people and a few touchings and yep. uh, things like that. So, yeah, there was a, a bit of activity that night. On the uh, creepy scale, Mark, um, you know, what was sort of out of 10? I know you guys have, have been to some places that are a lot more active than others. Um, that You know, the fact that you go back to places and make repeat visits, you know, means it's worthwhile going back to these places. Um, did this sort of sit in the middle or anything stand out in particular? Um, well, there are a lot of creepy dolls there, which yep. is always a, a <laughs> okay. to me. I do like a good creepy doll. But, yep. um it wouldn't wouldn't be up there on the top list. Um, uh, the old school that we investigated um, many years ago, we did that for two years. Um, that's still at the top of my list, I think. Yep. So far. No, excellent. Of local local locations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, team members. Uh, I'll start with Amy. Um, have you been with the team long, Amy? Um, just under a year now. Just under a year. Okay. What what attracted you to it? Oh, I've sort of been on the fringes 
for about six years or so. So yep. I went to some public events and followed the page, that sort of thing. Yep. So it's just something that I've always been interested in. Yep. Even as a kid, I would read all the paranormal books and watch all the movies and that sort of thing. But Absolutely. had a couple of experiences that I couldn't explain myself. And, um, yeah, so I was just interested in learning more. And I really liked the way that this team worked, that it was sort of very research focused yep. rather than jumping in and saying everything's a ghost, let's banish it. That's right. That, thing. It that, was, it was, that's yeah. one of the reasons I like um, having guys like Mark and Sam on the show because the hyperbole is taken out of out of the whole thing. Um, TV and so forth is saturated with ghost shows and, and the like. And, in fact, there's a whole ghost month, I think, in Nat Geo at the moment. Uh, or paranormal month or something like that and um who knows you don't know what's facts from fiction until you bring an element of science and you know thorough investigate and using the scientific method um is the most important thing um to distinguish that you know that that establishes credibility excellent so so barbara are you there barbara i'm here you're here excellent what how long have you been with the team and what you got you involved um i think i've been with just over a year, yep. maybe. So you're a relative newbie um, as well. But I'm, yeah. yeah, still a newbie, still sure. a noob. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, same as Amy, pretty much. I've always had a, a big fascination for um, the paranormal. Yep. I had a, well, I suppose you could say have an experience at, at uh, my parents' house, which we sort of don't know if it's anything, but we've all seen the same thing. Yep. Um is that, is that, shows, things like yeah. that. Is that how most people get into it, Sam? Do they, um, you know, is it through personal experience or just a bit of both? I suppose if you're interested in, you're interested in it, aren't you? So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. uh, I've, I've always been into the paranormal since I can remember, yep. since being very little. Um, I guess it's just one of those things you know and you're always interested in. I think it might be hereditary too because my uh, late grandmother, I didn't really know her personally, but the stories I'm told about her is she was um, a bit quite outspoken on the matter for, for that uh, time period, certainly. And a lot of people looked at her sideways when she started talking about flying saucers and things like that. So uh, you, you're not on your own. Now, who got Natasha? What about uh, what about you, Natasha? How long have you been with the team and, and what got you involved? Um, I'm sort of in between Amy and Barbara. I think Barbara's been on the team longer than me. Yep. But it's just been over a year for me too. Excellent. Um, my partner actually was following Haunted Auckland before me and she said, oh, you're into photography and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm an engineer. Okay. They're like, why don't you just apply? So I did because I've always been interested as well with the paranormal Yep. from a very early age through experiences and also watching like unexplained mysteries growing up and all yep. that. I love I love the unsolved mysteries. I've started listening to the unsolved mysteries podcast which I didn't actually know existed up until yeah, a couple I've been of days listening ago. To it as well. Have you? Yeah. yeah. It's um it's a, it's a little bit commercial but I, I kind of like the guy who uh, yeah. presents it. it. It just sounds like it's ripped straight from the TV though, doesn't it? It doesn't there's not a lot of uh, editing for radio so to well speak. Uh, unfortunately when they're when they're doing the true crime segments of their show you can't actually see the person that they're looking for either that's, so it's, <laughs> it's a bit right. unfortunate yeah so that's that's one downside of it mark when you introduce uh, new people into the team we'll bring them into the fold um do you do you give them a job so to speak do you say you're the, you're the person in charge of you know tech or av or whatever you know or does everyone document everything and just go through their findings how does it work yeah, we don't really assign jobs as yet, unless somebody um, shines in a certain area, and we let them go with that yep. with that skill. Um, but at, at this stage, we, anybody new joining the team, we just let them sort of just get their footing, get their footing in there, and just uh, just see see where they, which areas they like, and which they prefer, and uh, 
I mean, every everybody has their own preferences of uh, certain areas of the paranormal in this research that they want to sort of target. So yeah. whether it be EVPs or video or that sort of thing. So uh, we just let them um, have a try and just uh, get a taste for it and just see where they want to go. And you, you just go where the research takes you, really. Mm. And Sam, your equipment that you guys use, we've spoken in the past about we're not even at the point where we know what what equipment is effective or, you know, whether the equipment we've got for the job, you know, the EMF and all this um, and the, the the what are those talking box things with the, the, the frequency? Spirit, spirit boxes. Spirit yeah. box. I mean, we don't know if that technology is actually accurate, do we? I see Mark shaking his head on that <laughs> video here. Um, and that's, you know... The, one of the main, well, the selling point of a lot of the TV shows, isn't it? You know, they, they scan through the frequencies and they piece together a seemingly um, disparate sort of conversation, don't we? Yeah, well, the, the TV shows, it is it is for, for entertainment as well. So yeah. obviously they this, need these yeah, things. Yeah, we shouldn't that, forget that because it is entertainment. Eh? You know? Yeah, they, they do need the, the, the uh, gadgets that make noises yeah. and, you know has some sort of response whether but it's probably not to the not. extent of the the guy on the the zach baggin show you know his offside yeah. or what's that guy's name the uh, uh aaron thinning on top yeah aaron is it yeah. <laughs> yeah he um he certainly has a few things happen to him doesn't he yeah well yeah. He, I, I guess he gets pushed into it doesn't <laughs> yeah, he? yeah he does yeah there's one on every team <laughs> hey but you know it's a successful show and if that's what you're into you're into but it's when they start um Mark will remember this actually. A few years ago, Yvette Fielding from the Most Haunting Show, um, I think someone found out they were throwing stones or something like that, and and they had that whole Creed Kafer incident, and they with um, the late who was the psychic? What was his name? Uh, uh, Derek. Derek Akora. Thank you, thank you, Amy. Um, Derek Akora, who I've got a story about, which Sam's heard actually, but uh, I almost saw him in person, but I I changed my mind at the last minute, and now he's passed away, so I can. Mm. Sadly, never be, um, had a, have a full reading from Derek, as it were. It'd be interesting to see what it came up with. But a lot of these, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And a lot of these shows, as we know, been the truth. But I think the time that Most Haunted did it, I think it was a case of, you know, a guy had an earpiece and they were being told what to throw and what to do and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And that guy, Kieran O'Keefe, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, I think he was always a little bit marginal on the whole thing, even though he was sort of a parapsychologist. Whether he believed what, most of what was happening around him, I don't know. Well, I think to be perfectly honest as well, a lot of people are waking up to, to Zach Baggins as well. Are they? Um, yeah. Well, a lot of TV shows in general. Yep. Um, and I think there is a little bit of a rise in, in um, independent yep. shows on, on uh, YouTube and things like that, streaming, yep. Amazon, that sort of thing. Well, I just think it's the collu- um, well, the collision, really, not collusion, <laughs> collision with science these days. Um, yep. You see this with the disclosure um things happening with ufos at the moment and i think people are starting to talk um to really look at things a lot more scientifically and and science is so much more accessible to people than it used to be it used to just be a high school thing you know you did it at high school or whatever and if you're good at it you weren't um you know move on do something else um but now anyone could look anything up you know um and there's there's so many branches that are starting to evolve as as a result so and i think paranormal investigation is is one of those so I think we'll get on to um, most, well, we've talked a little bit about uh, Waiuku, but you guys um, do a lot of repeat visits. Um, is that because you've had activities at the places before or is it their reputation or is it the fact that in New Zealand it's, the whole thing's a bit self-limiting because we don't have the history or the destinations that, that other countries do, Sam? I think it's a little bit of everything, actually. Um, yeah. we, we like to go to repeat visits on, on buildings purely because... Um, it gives us more time in the place and, you know, 
if yeah. we're allowed if That's we're allowed access if we're allowed access, why not? Yeah. Um, because a lot of the time, if we're only spending a couple of hours, you, you really can't expect anything to happen. You'll be very lucky yeah. um, if anything's going to happen that you can say is remotely paranormal in that time. Yeah. So the the more time you spend in a place, and, you know, let's say hypothetically there is a spirit there, they might get to know you a bit better. Yeah. You know, you know I recognise this person who's trying to talk to me and I might respond. Mark, when you guys do an investigation um, and you attempt to obviously communicate with, with an entity of some kind, um, I see a lot of agitation on, on these uh, shows, you know, people trying to get a rise out of the spirit and stuff like that. I'm assuming you guys are sort of anti that angle? Yeah, pretty much. It's like we, we sort of look at it as, you know, if these uh, entities, are, if they are sort of... Uh, deceased uh, people or if they are humans like us well then they should be treated with respect as we would expect to be treated ourselves yep so um yeah we just treat them as people really we just talk to them as people we don't talk down to them um we just sort of chat really we just sort of sit there and chat to the air and <laughs> yeah hopefully we get a response well that's probably the best way isn't people. it you know if you as you, you know yeah. you don't want to invoke sort of a poltergeist or something like that do you that wouldn't be ideal no no no, no. <laughs> i'm sure there is some people that like the, to to kick the hornet's nest a little bit though, don't they? To to get some sort of reaction. Yeah, I, think, I think you sort of play you play to the spirit that you're trying to attract. I guess like if you yeah. know there's a, a young child, like as uh, with um, the Lake House Art Centre, um, we the sort of the interactions we seem to be having seem to point to be, it being from a nine year old girl called Patty. Um, so we sort of aim our, our conversations as if we're talking to a child. Yeah, um, and we, you know, we sort of take it where it goes. Again, we take it, we take the research where it takes us, and if it seems that we're talking to a child, we'll carry on with that and see what, where that leads us. So, what determines, well, in your mind, that you're talking to a child? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. It's all assumption. A lot of assumptions, but um, a lot but does of it come from the backstory uh, of of the entity that's been seen there? Like it's been a child that's seen there, or is it just the responses you get? Or? Possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. I mean, there are stories of a child being seen on the stairs and, and walking around the, ho- the corridors and things like that. Um, and a lot of the shadows which we've actually seen ourselves are quite short. And we've had various other investigators come along on investigations there, and they've seen short shadows as well. So the shadows seem to be short. The stories of, uh, are, are of children mm. and um, the interactions we seem to be having um, via various gadgets and things. Um, and answer to questions seem to be pointing towards it being a child. Sure. Okay. Natasha, yeah, sorry. No, that was a good explanation. That makes sense. Natasha, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what has been the most rewarding part of, of, you know, all the investigations that you've attended so far? Has it opened your eyes or is it is it much as you expected or is it more? Or um, I think it's sort of the team element. Like we all yep. bring um, a little bit of like different points of view to the different places that we investigate. Yep. So um, we review all the um, the footage and everything and share it around and, and see if we've got any evidences like EVPs and things like that because sometimes... It must be exciting when you get some though, right? people can't hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, it, we don't know if it's 100%. It could be like a car we forgot that was going past or yeah. someone might have moved their foot or, or you know, we, we don't know 100%. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, if, it's, uh, if, if, if it's legit, you know, yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, Barbara, nobody, Barbara nobody actually knows. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Natasha. 
no one actually no one really necessarily knows what a ghost is or how they act or if they were people or if their energy or what yep. attracts them or what you know repels them for instance so it's always interesting to try different things to sort of trigger them but maybe yeah. not well what makes them manifest is obviously the the, the goal isn't it, at the end of the day to to get well, it'd be my goal. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> fair enough. Yep. Not too loftier, loftier goal. Um, Barbara and Amy, um, you guys are relatively new as well. Um, how did you feel the first time you got some sort of activity? You know, you you recorded it or you caught something in the post analysis. There was it, and, and something that couldn't be explained. Um, I'll go first. Sure. So, um, it was pretty much. I'm just thinking. It was the second investigation I'd gone on to and we, we'd gone to Helen's Film Museum and we were getting some really interesting sort of EMF readings and things like that and, and little light fluctuations and things and that was just like wow this yep. is actually you know answering questions This I was not expecting this I was expecting you know to go three years before you even get a blinking light or something so that was really really interesting for me but probably it's more exciting when you do feel that you've had a really quiet night and then you go home and then you watch the video and you listen and then you pick something up and then you actually start to cross-reference all your video cameras to go was that accidentally amy making a funny noise um that she doesn't remember or was it actually a spirit girl laughing or was it you know someone saying something at king seat you know that kind of thing so i like um those moments as well when you're not expecting to get something just as much as when you're right there absolutely at that, that moment seeing those lights yeah yeah i think i get pretty excited too barbara how about you um, mine was probably my third investigation, I think it was, and that was at Massey House. Um, yep. That's at a Mungari, When I first got it? there, I was yep. Mungari East, yep. yeah. Yep. I, I was actually blown away by the house. I've never seen it before or heard of it. Um, but we had a few, like, light fluctuations going on as well, which was quite exciting for me because it's something I'd never experienced before. Um, and towards sort of halfway through the night we decided to go upstairs and amy was on the oh, sorry natasha was on the mid part of the stairs and i had earlier in the night said you can pull on my jumper or hold my hand or touch my arm or anything but as i went to go up the stairs i actually felt a tug on the side of my jumper which i thought at first i was caught on something but there was nothing there for me to be caught on so Natasha sort of saw my expression and had a bit of a laugh and said, what? And I said to her, I, I think I've just been tugged on, but I'm not sure. So, And I still haven't been able to confirm if it was anything or if it was just me caught on something and couldn't see. So, yeah, well. But I like to think that was my most exciting experience I've ever had. So, Well, good on you yeah. for hanging around because I would have bolted out the front door by that point if someone had... So an, an unseen hand had tugged on my jersey. I actually got quite excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> don't blame you. That's what sets us apart from everybody else. Yep. <laughs> how, uh, Sam, how often um, do you catch things on review versus things happening in real time? Um, Can be anything, you know, any kind yeah, of anomaly. Yeah, it's probably about 50-50. But yep. um, just going back to something that Amy mentioned, uh, it's, it's all down to the importance of, of having your camera set up and camera angles as well. Yep. Um, I generally prefer, and I think, you know, it goes across the team as well. Do you do a full electronic net or is it? Um, yeah, I mean, that comes down to budget as well. Yeah. Not all of us uh, have the budget to, to have cameras going on <laughs> Sorry, everywhere. Sorry, Zach. But, yeah, I didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, 
but I mean, we're, uh, we've got DVR cameras in the team, and we, you yep. know, we have we set up our own handy cams and things like that on tripods. Yep. Um. So it, it is it is quite often where we'll hear a noise on review and go, oh, you know, what was that? And you, and, and then we'll we'll ask the team, you know, what do you think this is? Yeah. And of course, we've all got cameras going at the same time, so the difference of a different camera going at a different angle with a different microphone as well. Um, you actually find out that it's something quite logical as well. I mean, sure. we've, we've had times where we thought we might have heard a baby crying or a scream, but it's a car going off in the background. But just because of the positioning of the camera and the microphone, it just sounds different on different cameras. Yeah. Do you sit there and blanket, Mark, I'll bring you in on this. Do you, When you do a review of an investigation, do you just blanket everything? Do you check off every piece of footage or do you just go back to points in the footage that you recorded on the, on the night that you thought hey, this is worth a second listen. Um, well, if we've recorded like hours and hours of video footage, we sort of have to go through and, and look at it all. I mean, I admit that I do sort of cheat from time to time and put it on double speed yeah, uh, to sort of get through it all because um, sure. you, you see it with yeah, hours and hours of video. Um, I'm not so much into the audio myself. Um, I think I've sort of weaned myself away from EVPs and the audio side of it. I'm more into video, so I concentrate on the video side of things. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, we, we, sh we, yeah, we do actually go through all the footage, all the audio and anything that we've, we've captured, we independently go through our, our own, uh, recordings yep. to see what comes up. And if we find anything, we sort of edit it and cut it into little files. Yep. Yeah. Uh, excellent. And you put that sort of up for peer review, which is the different part about you guys as well, don't yeah. you? You know, everyone gets to see it, um, and you yeah, well, get right. to make we their own decisions. The yeah, we don't, we don't know everything. So we, we do put it online. And we don't make any claims. Like we will never say this is a ghost yeah. uh, or a spirit or a poltergeist or anything like that. We always say, you know, this happened. What does everybody think? Does anybody have any ideas? Yeah. Because we don't have all the answers. So we when, put them out there. Yeah. Sam, when you get approached by the media, um, which I know you guys do from time to time, you know, is there either, because I'm a journalist myself, so I, I, know, I know what we do to stories, you know, and how to – had a you know a lot of things are clickbait these days let's be fair yep. okay do you get ever get any subtle encouragement from a reporter to sort of i don't want to use the word hammered up but i want to um move away from the scientific focus to to one that's the readers would like if you know what i mean do, uh, you, you, know, do you have a greatest hits package highlights anything like that that you you bring out with them if they're doing a story, or is it all still science specific to the science? It's all we we try and keep it specific to the science. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, they're always going to do their own thing post editing, aren't they? Yeah. You know, um, we always call it the trifecta, where it's the you know Ghostbusters theme music versus yep. the X Files theme music yep. versus tubular bells from The Exorcist. You That's know? right. <laughs> Uh, it's always going to be one of those three played in the background, but that, that's uh, how Mike Oldfield still makes money now from just from <laughs> that playing all the time on the and, and as a bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, generally, no. I think people are surprised that we are more logical and and you know more scientific. Yep. Um, one of our last uh, media excursions, they said, "Oh, you know, we thought you were going to be in here and saying this place is haunted straight away." Yeah. Um, you know, they were quite surprised that we said, "Well." You know, we call a spade a spade. Just the facts, man. Yeah, as it were. And that's and that's what we should be presenting. But it's refreshing, is it? I mean, is this a worldwide trend, Mark, for um, groups such as such as Haunted Auckland to sort of become more transparent um, about their their method for collection, or is it sort of leaning towards entertainment still, or is that 
There, there well, seems to be a lot of shows. It should be. Um, yeah. yeah. It should be honest and it should be upfront. And if it's entertainment, just call it that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how, just alluding back to Most Haunted, I don't want to keep bringing them up, but I think that's how they actually got around it because um, they got, you know, they got caught with their pants down effectively um, and they kind of just passed it off and said, look, it's entertainment. We don't pass it off as anything aside from that. Um, and everyone was happy in the end. So still, it makes you think twice if you're sort of got a taking a semi-serious look at things. You know, it used to be a little disheartened to find out they're throwing stones at each other and things like that. Now, I'm assuming you guys don't throw any stones at each other. Um, moving on from Waiuku, you uh, now the the ladies I understand had uh, did, did an investigation of some kind down at Mercer Jail in the North Waikato, and uh, there's a small morgue attached to the building. Um, you guys want to film me on that? Who was there? Were you there, Natasha? Yeah, I was there. Yep. Yeah, that we we went separate times. Basically, um, what was the reputation of the place? Mercer. The Mercer Museum highlighted us to this uh, historical building. Oh, did they? So yeah. the, the morgue is actually attached to the cemetery. It's not part of the cemetery. It's sort of down the road from the cemetery. Yep. And the jail is uh, across the street at the school. Okay, so, um, and it's got a reputation as being haunted. I went down there at night time yeah. and took a lot of um, photos because we were worried once you put something online, um, some people go and trash it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I know you guys, uh, Sam, I know you guys sometimes um, have to keep properties you're investigating as confidential don't you yeah that's and that, that's under the owner's direction is it or is it something you choose to do yeah um again a bit of both yeah because you know if, if we happen to do like a live stream or something like that during our investigation um just again for entertainment purposes for our followers and things like that we don't want them turning up yep. and, and banging windows and things like that and being a nuisance yeah of course um but uh, you know there is the whole uh, urban exploration side of things as well where Yep. where people are always looking for new locations. And yep. obviously, if, if a place becomes known and popular, then it, be, it eventually becomes trashed. That's what happened out at King Seat in the end. Well, I don't want to say trash, but King Seat's obviously always had that reputation of having, um, well, being full of ghosts, hasn't it? And yep. in, in the past, obviously, that's been commercialised with spookers and so forth. But people, it's having that reputation, I'm assuming there's a lot of people who go out there for a, you know, for a bit of... Teenage fun, as it were. Yeah, we'll take for yeah. example, we um, we just recently had a look at the morgue out there. Yep. Um, we took a lot of photos, and um, in the comment section, somebody posted a photo of what it looked like. I think it was back in 2011 when they visited. Yep. It was vastly different. So when we went, there were there were no doors or anything like that, and it was it was relatively graffiti free. Yeah. Oh, sorry. When when this lady went. Um, and now it's full of tags and, now and stuff. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no doors. There's, there's graffiti, and it just looks like an old shack, really. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the gov? I don't want to drift too much off track, but what's the governance of, um, of the hospital now, the psychiatric hospital? Because people live there in, in sort of flooding situations, don't they? Um, yeah. Uh, Barbara, would you be able to answer that one a bit better? Yeah, they. Um, there are some houses there that have been rented out. They're run by, I think it's Ray White as is the property manager for them. Yep. Um, but a, a relatively lot of it is still quite empty. Yep. I went out for a um, little drive there because my father lives not not far from there, and I went for a drive a couple of months ago. Or so it, it is, and it was a it was a good day for it. It was a good day for hunting for ghosts and so forth. I, I drove around, and it was it was. A little bit cold, a little bit grey. There was a big blustery wind, so the scene was set nicely. And then I sort of got 
a little bit spooked, not not by uh, poltergeist or anything, but by spy caretaker, so to speak, mm. and said, what are you up to? And I said, oh, just taking pictures. So it's not owned by the DHB or anything like that, health board or no. Okay, so it's all just no, a, I think yeah. it's, um, it's actually owned by a, well, I think they still own it as a um, Chinese corporation. Okay, so they probably own the land. Yeah, they own the whole place. Okay. No, well, that makes sense. Excellent. Getting back just to this uh, property investigator in Mercer. Um, Amy, did you attend that as well? Yeah. Yeah, and what were your so impressions of Mercer the, Jail and Morgue? It doesn't sound very appealing to me. Oh, uh, well, the jail is, is a typical, very small little two-cell jail, yep. um, which is very, very similar to the one that is at Waiuku Museum as well. Yep. Um, but it's it um, a lot of the... Um, historical museum sort of well the historical places in mercer have all been moved when the motorway extension of course, was yep. put through there and, and all that so they're sort of spread all over mercer so the jail was moved onto a site where the school is so it was used as a little bit of a museum for a while but it's kind of gone to rack and ruin and the things that are in there are all moth-eaten and covered in spider webs and things so you can tell no one's been in there for a long time so yeah we get all excited about that <laughs> absolutely um, but it was it was very quiet in there. We weren't really getting anything, but we weren't really expecting to. There hadn't been any stories yep. or anything associated with it. It was just, hey, here's an old building. This is cool. The um, morgue, though, was under a heritage application, which has just come through. So they have been given heritage status for the morgue. And we were sort of going in again. It, it kind of looked a bit like um, a cattle shed more than anything. We were looking at it going, is this really a morgue? But it, it actually was, and it was built in the 30s. And um, in the heritage status, they've released all the people that were sent there and, you know, that sort of stuff. And um, so it is actually quite interesting because it is in the middle of nowhere, mm. really, because before that, they actually were using sort of a bit of a lean-to next to the old pub which also backed onto a pigsty. Oh. So it didn't get very good uh, newspaper reports. That's why they built the new one. So um, there's really fascinating stories all around Mercer with the train station that burned down twice yep. and got rebuilt and moved and the old hotel and the post office. So we're just slowly working our way through these different buildings with huge support from the museum, who are absolutely wonderful, and and just going in and exploring and a large part of what we do is taking photos and preserving these places for posterity as well, um, rather than just, you know, looking to yeah. see if there's any spirits there as well. Well, it's yeah. Mark, Mark, I'll bring you in on this because I know you've uh, done a couple of books detailing um, cryptids and, and ghosts throughout New Zealand and things like that. Um, it's quite a spiritually charged place, um, that whole North Waikato area. There, there, was a, there was a lot of Maori land wars and stuff like that around there with, with um, the English, not far down the road actually at Rangariri, and there has been some talk of some paranormal activity there. Not far from there, I used to, as I before mentioned, my father had a farm in the area, and he uh, was in Waikato Valley. Have you guys heard of the giant caves? and, and Well, the, yep. the, the caves that supposedly hold... Nico? That's... Correct. Yes. Caves. Yeah. Yeah. And caves. That's yeah. that's Nico the one. Caves, yeah. And as a kid, I um, didn't even know about the store, and I literally live right next door to well, not next door, but just down the road from where this cave was. And do you know how dark I am that now? That yeah, opportunity missed, eh? Massive <laughs> opportunity missed. 
Um, so it seems to be an area that's actually got a lot of uh, folklore and stuff like that. We had the we had the motorway being held up by a tiny farm, yeah. <laughs> by, by a tiny farm, mm. which is um, which is interesting. Yep. Um, I'm not sure that's happened anywhere else in the world. Actually, Mark might be able to fill us in on that. Is uh, has a major transport project, to your knowledge, ever been halted um, due to a supernatural um, being? I think over in the UK there was one a few years back. Yep. Over in the UK, uh, I can't remember much. I, vague, I have vague memories of something being in the news re- uh, within a couple of years back. Yeah, I remember hearing one. Yeah, I remember hearing one in the UK actually uh, about the Lambton Worm. You know the story of the Lambton Worm and a similar thing. They couldn't build um, close to the site because it's preserved now. They, there's a big rock there and the sort of carry on where they supposedly all those things happen. Whether it did or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, you can't build there. So I suppose that's probably the, the closest thing. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of any housing developments being stopped for crop circles or, or the like. Yeah, I, I, th- I vaguely remember one South America, I think. Uh, there, it was Argentina. It was, yep. uh, it was a gnome-type creature that was ter- <laughs> terrorising a neighbourhood, okay. uh, a new development area. Yep. Yeah. But okay. So it could have been a story planted by the developers to, been, to scare yeah. people out. It's probably more likely, isn't it? If, if I had to guess. Um, did anything, um, Barbara, did anything come out of your investigation at uh, in Mercer? Um, I actually learned a lot, yep. a lot of history. Um, Amy and Tash did quite a lot of um, background investigation into it. Because um, it was moved Unfortunately, to, nobody hmm. wanted to talk to us. When you say nobody, you mean from associated with the building or locals? Or? Yep. No, no, from the other side. Oh, yeah, from the other were, side, we my bad. Something there, but <laughs> yeah. No. Nothing, nothing but, that um, night. No, I, I actually learned a lot about, yeah. about the, the history of Mercer and um, fascinated that there's some people whose whole generations have stayed within the area that is still here today. Yeah, it's, so. yeah, it's certainly a historic part of, uh, part of New Zealand. Um, and it's mm. it's not far from sort of coal mines and things like that. So there's a lot of you know activity in that regard as well. You know a lot of up, upheaval and uprooting and and things like that. And there's uh, it's a very significant place for for Maori obviously as well um, in that area. Yeah. So and very interesting. It'd actually be a place I'd like to check it out. Um, there's usually quite often uh, Sam. We hear a lot about. Um, when a poltergeist or a, a, a property is uprooted and moved somewhere else, a bit like Puhanui, perhaps at the yep. at the uh, historical village here in Howick, that seems to trigger activity, as does house renovations and things like that. Yeah, the, obviously uh, not on this occasion, girls, but but <laughs> you know it, it's happened in the past. It is one theory. Yeah, yep. I mean, I don't really know the reason behind it, but no. I mean, I, I guess they're just unsettled that it's not in the in the same area or. Yeah. Or maybe it's it's just the the land that they're transferring. Well, you think they'd be happy that they moved from Papatoi to uh, Howick, <laughs> wouldn't you? Or De- definitely this yeah. year, especially after the hurricane yeah, that's that right. came through recently. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, now we mentioned the lake house earlier. You guys have done a, another recent sojourn to um, the uh, theatre, the pump house theatre. Yep. Um, now there, there's kind of a resident ghost there, isn't there? With um, the, the stage people who are there talk of. Uh, you know, big door, and you've actually caught some footage of a door opening, haven't you? The, there was there was their footage. There was CCTV their footage? footage okay. Yeah. Is that um, what prompted them to get you in initially? Um, no, I think that was sent afterwards, wasn't it, Mark? The footage. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and you've been there again recently. 
Yeah, um, we're, we're, we're quite regular at the Quite regular, yeah. There. Okay. Because it's not only ghosts there, is it, Mark? It's uh, there's talk of giant longfin eels in the water, isn't there? Well, Lake Papuki has its uh, has its own little resident uh, Loch Ness monster. I've um, heard that. Yes, thought to be a giant eel. Yep. Because um, eels grow to you know massive sizes and and um, especially if they get fed by people every day. Well. Yeah, nickel the ducks' food. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And, oh, it's pulled ducks under. It's pulled dogs under. It's uh, yep. knocked people off kayaks. So it's um, quite a sizable. Uh, Beast. I used to go to school there. We used to do waterways and lake. We never had anything. We had some eels, but nothing attacked us ever. <laughs> <laughs> we used to do waterways like every every week. Yep. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Well, that's disappointing, isn't it? I know. The last time I went there, I I, I was just in Takapuna and I I called in there and I was sort of hoping something had happened. But I saw a few ducks, a few swans, maybe even a few geese. But yeah, I think it's I think it's the geese you have to worry it's about. The geese. Really. Yeah, they're more of a problem, aren't yeah. they? Guard geese and the like. I mean, it's quite possible it's moved on because, I mean, the, the news reports I've got, um, the clippings I've got, uh, date back to the 80s. So it's, it's quite possible that it's moved on or died and uh, yep. doesn't exist anymore. Yep. I haven't had any recent reports anyway of it, so, yeah. Did, um, so that was the only – there's only been one beast there, so to speak, or has there been documented stories over the years of – has there been no, several? As far as I know, there's been just one, one? one giant creature there. And did they have a name for it? No, well, no, they just said it was New Zealand's equivalent to the Loch Ness Monster and that it was a giant um, hump in the water. Um, and they described it as being the, the thickness of a tractor inner tube, a dull grey colour. And um, it would just sort of move up alongside boats and uh, kayaks and, and canoes and things. And uh, it would pull swans and ducks under the water and dogs as well. Jesus. <laughs> so it's quite a large beast. It <laughs> sounds like one. Um, and yeah. and in your time in the pump ha- pump house recently, any um, new activity or anything like that? I think it was pretty quiet last time. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty quiet. I think. Tell us about the ghost, Sam. That that that's there. Uh, uh well, there's there's two residents. There's yep. uh, Peg or, Peg. or Margaret. She yep. was um, one of the ladies that that worked there. She was one of the the theatre ladies. Yep. Um, and then there was Michael Murphy. He was the janitor. Michael Murphy. Yeah, so there, there's stories of his janitor's closet opening up and and uh, all the mops and brooms and, and things falling out. But, um, oh, dear. Yeah, we, we haven't really made much contact with that would suggest either of them. Yeah. Uh, these are just the stories. What's been your most active site within Auckland, Mark? Most active? Mm-hmm. Um well, again, I would, I would go back to the old Parnell School, mainly because we had it over two years, and so we had a lot of time to sort of keep going back there, and we did over sort of 20-something sessions there over the two years. Yep. So it was um, over that time we built up quite a bit of activity that happened from all our visits. So I, I would say that would, would have been the most active, active place that I've been in. Parnell so School. So is that around Gladstone Road somewhere, is it? Is that, is that where I'm thinking? Yeah, that's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. I didn't, that's that's news to me. Actually, I don't think Sam had mentioned. Um, yeah. uh, I, I would usually refer to it as an undisclosed school. Oh, okay, so <laughs> but I, I guess I guess the yeah. cat's out of the bag it's now. Certainly out of the bag now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Gosh, excellent. That's yeah. right. Um, the lease on it anymore, so that's all good. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, now we talked briefly about the Massey Homestead uh, at Amangere East. Um, it's sort of amongst. It's it's a fish out of water, isn't it? It's a relic from an old time. It's yep. sort of sitting somewhere where it which used to be farmland and has obviously been 
Um, I won't say gentrified, but it's certainly been built up around there. Yeah. Um, so when was the last time you went there? Um, would have been a couple of months ago. Couple of months. I'd say because I think recently. last time you were on the show, you'd just been there for the first time, didn't you? Or? Yeah. So I think we've probably yeah. been. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. About three or four times now. Is that something you get regular access to? You've. you've uh, is it a council-owned building, or how does it work? No, we have regular access to that place. It's yep. um, they've been very generous again. But that's key to the whole thing, isn't it? Make you know these places, as you say, you know, you're not going to get it all done in one night a lot of the time. So that's right. Yeah. I think I've just been seduced by watching TV shows where everything's over and done in an hour, and you know all the findings are there and stuff, without actually thinking about the hours of accumulation of, of the evidence or how long that takes. Right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot, lot of editing well, that goes in. I mean. Yeah, with Massey, they're, they're very curious as to what's there as well because they've had their own experiences there. So um, the more that we can get in there, uh, the more chances they've got of finding out for themselves as well um, via us. Um, so, so it was a family homestead for a fellow called Massey, I'm assuming? Is that is it yeah, the backstory of Yep. Bill Massey, the ex-Prime Minister. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And and that was his family house, was it? Or did he just own the land or was it named after him? Or? Yeah, it was their homestead that they built. So, yep. so okay. Before, so it's, be, yeah, yeah, before he became was, Prime Minister. It was, mm. it was owned by someone else who gave him the deeds to the land. Yep. So it's got, a, it's got an even greater history than, mm. than just a homestead. Yeah, of course. So it's... it's um, it's definitely got an imprint on the on the local environment is, is a good way to look at it. It's not a kind of a place that... Yeah. yeah sorry, go ahead. Um, even after sort of um, Bill Massey passed on and it went to his children and, and they sort of separated up because it was quite a large estate and they separated it out and they used it for various community projects. Yep. And that's what it's still used for today. So there's a lot of community groups using it. So useful part of the community, yeah. And and what are the reports there? You know, what are the most frequent type of paranormal activity? We've we've had a, a range of things there actually. We've had quite a lot of very strange equipment malfunctions, which don't necessarily happen in other places. Um, and we've had there's a certain room, like a storage room, where when we go in, there are some strange sort of static. Um, electricity feeling areas that you walk in and you get those sort of weird tingles mm. um, so we, we've had had that sort of thing and then again we've had responses to lights and, and things like that um, trying to see if we can sort of get yes no answers that sort of thing yep. so yeah it's quite a quite a mix there that's what makes it interesting it's not just sort of one thing mm. uh, Sam, yeah. Sam and I have talked yeah sorry go ahead Mm. Yeah, most people that have been there end up with their own different experience, like, you know, like with Barbara with getting her shirt tugged and things like that. And the experiences are both upstairs and downstairs. It's not just in one single area. Because do correct, um, well, excuse my ignorance, but Sam, do ghosts, well, what we perceive to be ghosts, is the talk, is it that they're fluid or do they stay in, is their imprint likely to manifest in, in just one <laughs> spot, in one room? Or is it like you to travel, for lack of a better term? Well, we, we don't really know, but yeah. um, it, I guess... But they do say they, that this room's haunted, like room nine and is haunted, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, they, I mean, people do say that, but yeah. uh, I guess, again, they don't really know. They don't know whether the ghost is, is yeah. you know, present. Attached to their room, yeah. sure. Um, again, it also depends on the, the type of haunting. Is it a residual haunting or is it an intelligent haunting? Yeah. Um, whether it moves or not or interacts. Mm. Or just repeats itself over and over again. 
So like an anniversary haunting, they call it, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Hey, it's a big question mark. You know, a, a lot of, as, as, as all evolving sciences are, though, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, you just got to think a little bit outside the box. And thankfully, we have people like you guys from Haunted Auckland who do that and are ready to um, sit around in their onesies in the middle of the night and, and do investigations. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? Good times. Um, Mark, I was just going to ask, I saw a uh, documentary um, on infrasound the other day. Um, I think Sam and I have talked a, b- a bit about this in the past. This was a case of a tiger basically threatening you without threatening you um, by releasing infrasound, which they do to kind of paralyze you, you know, or invoke a fight or flight response to an extent. Um, do you believe that people are being, in some cases, obviously, I don't want to don't want to make have a broad brushstroke here, are being influenced by areas of infrasound into definitely. Sort of, I mean, yeah. infrasound is it is a measurable thing. It is a scientifically uh, verified thing. So. And it does. It has been um, known to affect people. So mm. um, I think it's quite possible. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the depth of the infrasound, of course. Like whether it's a a low rumble enough to cause vibration. Um, I mean, we had an incident over at the uh, the Princess Gate Hotel where we had some keys um, slide off a table. I mean, that could have been a low level of of infrasound um, from thermal activity as well. Mm. So that was in that was Rotorua. Rotorua. Okay. Yep. yep. Red Road, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, infrasound can affect different people in different ways and different. Uh, and how how is it generated? Excluding from an animal, how is it generated? Um, you know, how is the energy generated for infrasound effectively? Is it, it? It's it's something to do with being at depth, isn't it? If you're if you're underground or something like that, is a higher instance of it, or any? Is it anywhere something there's a low frequency sound? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Things like wind turbines, yep. it's been well documented with wind turbines. Okay. Um, even trucks and things going past can yep. generate vibrations, earthquakes, okay. geothermal activity, so the that thing, sort of thing. Yeah. But um, wind, wind turbines seem to be the big one because they tend to attract birds and the birds tend to fly into the blades and they tend to affect people's moods as well. Yep. So that's very well documented mm. in places where people live next to the turbines. It's, there's definitely some something intrinsic going on because it's not a lot different. Um, when I go to sleep at night, I quite often play a uh, Sounds of Rain or Thunder or something like that playing. Um, and I think that the continual white noise, for lack of a better term, um, it, it certainly does affect you. you know, and you, you hear all these things about frequency healing at 285 hertz and all this sort of stuff. So... I definitely think the human body has a frequency. I think that's the basis of things like color healing and stuff. They talk about the body having a frequency and it's, you know, something that needs, you know, and if you can tune into that, um, you know, all sorts of things. So it's, uh, in my opinion, it's infrasound is is a pretty good candidate for a lot of this stuff. I did see a TV show. um, I think it was called something like Ghosts of London or Ghosts of the Underground. It might have been called that. Has anyone seen that? Amy's nodding her yeah. head, so I'll go to you, Amy. Was it? Oh, was it, was got, it in the tube? Uh, it was, was on the tube, yeah. The, in the old tube systems? Correct. And it was, yeah, yeah it was something to do with one. the depth, or it could have just been with the vibrations generated by the trains. I'm not sure. Amy, you're from the UK, are you? Do, do you know much about mm-hmm. this? I've been on the underground a few times. There we go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, 
there is so many different tunnels and things there that mm. are no longer used and things, you know, that were used during the war and everything as well. So mm. it's it's really fascinating what is there um, and, and just, you know, the history of the place. And then when you do add all the vibrations and everything else running through those systems, it's, it's quite fascinating, really. I have um, on a few occasions gone out for a few drinks in London for instance, when I used to live there. Um, and on going home at some ungodly hour, well, the, the tube used to shut at 11. I think it's 1 now or something like that. Well, it might be 24 hours now, is it? Um, it was 1. Anyway, you had you had to get home, and a lot of the time I was in the underground by myself, you know, and, and it's sort of a little bit under the weather and a little bit sleepy and stuff like that. And some of those deep stations, like the old ones at Liverpool Street and things like that right in the city, um, it, it can get quite creepy down there. It, it really can. Like, you start to look around and think things are... You know, watching you and stuff like that, which oh, yeah. they are, because there's, there's cameras everywhere in London, so someone's always watching you. Yeah. But yeah, it's certainly um, it's not somewhere I'd like to hang out. Echoes. That's the thing. Yeah, great echoes, and you've got all those tiles for all the sound to reverberate off, and and then you've always got your good um, horror movie flickery lights That's right. going on half the time down That's there, right. and yeah. And it's a big, big dark tunnel, and you don't know what's at the end. Well, you do, but you know, you don't. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but in places like that, I always stand by the fact yeah. that the living are far more frightening than the dead. Absolutely. And, you know, there's always the possibility that somebody's down there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, ready, ready to jump out from the shadows. Mm. Mm. And the it's, fact... Um, yeah, like a go ahead. completely different environment down there. Like, if you think about it, you're in a, in a tunnel, you're closed off in a relatively small space with other people you potentially don't know. You've got fluorescent lighting. You've got infrasound from the other tunnels of the trains passing above and below and beside mm. you, which you can't you can't hear, but you can feel infrasound. And it's yeah, um, it's, it'd be definitely be anxiety inducing, isn't it? Because it, that's what it does to you, doesn't it? Uh, yep, mm. that's correct. Yeah, just adds to the atmosphere, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, but it doesn't explain everything. It's one theory, um, and mm. I think it's a it's a theory that's grounded in good science, um, and it's entirely possible that. On some occasions, it, that's what could have happened to people, but yeah. obviously, it's as I said, it's not the be all and end all of things. So, Sam, when you first started, I'm assuming after talking with the ladies here, um, everyone was a bit uppity and nervous when they went to their first investigation. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, do you turn up sort of just with just with excitement, or is there always a little bit of trepidation left? It's always excitement. Yeah, always excitement. Yeah. Yep. I mean, with with you. Um with new locations, there, there's always a little bit of, you know, what am I going to expect yep. sort of thing. But, um, no, it's always excitement. We always go in there wanting something to happen. Sure. Um, you know, we always go in with a logical mind, of course. But, you know, we'd be lying if we said that we didn't go into a new location going, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you got to keep it real. Which you, you do. You which do. You do. You got, you got to be grounded. Because there's always someone who pushes the glass on a, on a Ouija board, isn't there? So yep. to speak, yeah. <laughs> so, as long as everyone's on the same page, you know that's the that's that's what's all you can do, isn't it? You know, yep. And be as transparent as possible as you guys do, which is which is refreshing, as I said earlier in in the in the current age. Mark, uh, what have you got lined up? Um, well, for your next investigation, if you can talk about it, that is. Um. Um, we've got a few things planned. I'm just in negotiations at the moment. I'm just sort of discussing things with a few um, location owners and things. So yep. we're sort of keeping touch at the moment. But uh, we've got a few plans and we've got a few um, of our regular places that we'll be going back to as well. 
couple more events for the end of the, for the year, I think. And um, yeah, always, always keeping busy. Yep. No, it's awesome. Um, well, I work on another book as well. Book you are. Uh, what, what's so your book about? Or you can't tell us. Uh, it's it's basically pages and pages of, of articles and stories that I'll eventually sort of compile and decide what it's going to be yep. in the end. So I, I don't really know uh, at the stage. I'm thinking I might do a haunted Auckland book uh, with just Auckland yep. locations. Um, then we might do another one of part of our haunted Auckland series, which is basically where all the tw- all the team members and a lot of our uh, research acquaintances all contribute things and we all compile together and make a nice book together. Excellent. And how often do people approach you and say, look, I've got a haunted property. I want, want you to come check it out. Often, um, often, at least sort of once every week or two, we, we get somebody saying we've got this, but usually you can sort of debunk it over the, over the air or um, via email. Um, we send out questionnaires um, yep. to a lot of these people. Um, That's a good way to do we it. Can sort of mm. figure out, mm. We can sort of find explanations for them just via email sometimes. And a lot of them, a lot of them don't respond anyway. Yeah, they sort of. Uh, I think in the end, once they get the questions and they start thinking about it uh, calmly, I think they start to you know, sort of rationalise a bit and uh, see that maybe they're a bit too rash in contacting us, and uh, maybe it's all not as paranormal as they thought it was originally. No, that's right. So you you reserve your investigations for the ones with the that are the most promising. Is the best way to look at it. Yeah, if they answer all the questions and tick all the boxes, then we'll we'll go check them out. Yeah, we always got to be careful with uh, privates, though. Uh, we we prefer to do historical buildings or yeah, you know, you know, buildings within Auckland. When it comes to private investigations, there's always an element that you know we could be dealing with with mental health or something like that mm. that we're just not equipped to deal with. Yeah, um, so we've got to be real careful of that as well. Mm. Yeah, so you got to do your, a little bit of due diligence, don't you? Because, yeah. you know, and a lot of people might get off on the, uh, you know, the thrill, the excitement of having you guys just to show up to their property is the other thing. That's I right. Think. I mean, we've, we've been asked to do, um, you know, we've had messages saying, do you do weddings? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, what were you going to do at yeah, the wedding? I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know whether they, it was just a mistaken identity or something like that, but uh, we've also done investigations where... Um, People are all sitting around the table drinking wine, and we're the entertainment. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's that's the importance of sending this email out and trying to see whether they're legit or not, or yeah. you know, how serious they are about getting getting us in. Mark, have you ever had anyone who was sort of just absolutely terrified, just just stricken, wouldn't go back in their house, um, and just put out the feelers and said, "Can can you come and try and sort out what's going on?" Do you, do you get any of that? We have had in the past, yes, we've had uh, um, people that are, are living in absolute terror and fear. Um, you get to their place and you find out that they've got there's a big knife beside their bed, uh, bottles of wine beside their bed because they can't sleep, um, and things like that. And it gets to the point where you really have to back out a little bit because it becomes obvious that it's it's more than just you know a, a possible mental health issue. It, it becomes more than that. Um, yeah. And, the last thing we want is something tragic to happen while we're there or because of us being there. Yep. Um, so there is a point where you just have to sort of back away and say, no, we're not qualified. Um, this is not really something we're um, educated enough to actually be handling or dealing with or giving out advice for. Mm. Mm. Well, it's a good, well, it's a responsible way to do it, isn't it? Which yeah. is which is good. 
I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not really our job to frighten anyone either. No. You know, we've got to be real careful of that, especially yeah. when you know, when there's children involved as well. And, you know, people shouldn't be living in fear of their own homes and things like that, you know. Yep. And their expectations um, are probably a lot greater yep. um, <laughs> than, than what, you know. Well, I mean, uh, and I guess the the reason for, for making contact with us is, you know, they want to either confirm or deny and, you know, whatever our answer, it's just going to add fuel to that fire as well. So mm. Um, mm. We, we, we've got to be intelligent when we, yep. when we go in and do things like as, that. I suppose, as I said, with the developing science, you've... Um you just present what you get, right? Yeah. You know, and, and interpretation's really up to the individual, you know. I mean, if someone like me is interpreting it, you know, um, I'm more of a layman than you guys would be interpreted, and so I'd probably start to jump to conclusions more than more than uh, you guys would. But, hey, that's, someone's got to do it, right? Yeah. Someone's got to bring sanity into the this COVID-affected world. <laughs> that's right. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on tonight, everybody. Um, Natasha, Barbara... Amy and Mark Wilbank from hauntedauckland.com.